You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. All right. Well, once again, welcome to Impact. So glad you all are here. And uh, man, I'm just so excited to bring the word today. I'm about two honey buns in, so I'm jacked and ready to go. Um, we're going to continue our series this morning. We have been in Sermon on the Mount, and the cool thing about Sermon on the Mount, uh, preaching through it, is it's just like echoing Jesus, right? It's just, it's literally his sermon, and you just echo it. So there's some simplicity to it to that, but there's also a lot of weight that's carried with that. So a couple weeks ago, Pastor Dustin was like, hey man, uh, your week is coming up in just a couple weeks. You can either have uh, lust or anger. And I was like, anger, I'm going to take anger. You can handle that. You're the senior pastor. You get the next section. So we're going to continue our series here, uh, Sermon on the Mount, and highlight a couple things real quick that Dustin has talked about over the past couple weeks. Started the whole series off with the Beatitudes. I don't know if you all have ever heard the Beatitudes preached that way. That was actually a first for me. Never heard it preached that way, and it just blessed me, just crazily blessed me. Um, But he talked about how, like, Jesus is opening up the Sermon on the Mount with the gospel, and talked about the Beatitudes, and I'm going to give him a little bit of a hard time, because he told us that he didn't have any points, but then he went on to give us nine points, because uh, he gave us a point for every Beatitude. I know Ashley gave him a hard time for that, and I was like, I was thinking it the whole time, too. I'm right there with her, so, um, but he talked about the Beatitudes, talked about how blessed are you is better translated to congratulations to you, and he talked, went through point by point uh, each Beatitude, and just Congrats to you for fill in the blank. Congrats to you for recognizing your sin and needing and realizing you need a Savior. Congratulations to you for placing your faith in a Savior. Congratulations to you for being a peacemaker, for bringing others to Jesus, and so forth and so on. And I just, it was such an amazing way to listen to the Beatitudes preached, not just as a list of things that you, that you need to do or not do, um, but just preached in a way that this is the gospel laid out. So I'm excited for that. I was so blessed by it. And then last week, um, he talked about salt and light and how that we are salt and light to the earth, right? So the Beatitudes is the gospel, and then Jesus jumps into how we, as Jesus followers, can live out the gospel around the world. And he says, you're called to be salt and light to the world. And what does that mean? So Pastor Justin walked us through salt, and how salt does a few things. It preserves, it keeps things uh, grounded in truth. That's what we're called to do, is to keep things grounded in truth, to preserve the truth of the gospel. We live in a world that, um, just as, as Scripture said it would, that, that things that are wrong are becoming accepted as, as right. Things that are right are being viewed at as totally wrong. And we, as Christians, as Christ followers, are called to live out to be salt to the world, and one way of doing that is holding on to truth, preserving truth, doing so in grace and in love. So so that's being salt, and he also talked about how salt makes things better, right? I don't know about y'all, I'm like Dustin, I like salt on my food, Um, especially green beans. I'm going to be honest, green beans are crazy bland if they don't have salt in them, or cooked with bacon or sausage or something. Green beans alone are just not, they, they need salt. But it makes 
things better, right? It makes things better. And as salt to the world, we're called to make things better in our sphere of influence and the people around us. And just when they meet us, and then when we depart some way, shape, or form, be it moving, be it just switching jobs, or whatever the case is, the sphere of influence that we have, we should be leaving those people in a better situation than we were when we found them. We're salt and light to the world. Light, he talks about how light pushes out darkness. How light pushes out darkness. And are we doing that? Are we living a life that is salt, that is making things better, that's pushing out darkness in our hearts and in the hearts of those around us? Salt and light to the world. That's the first way that Jesus lays out for us to, to live out the or live out um, the gospel in or around us. So we're going to jump in. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 25. And uh, just to say real quick about this, um, I want to read something I read in my devotional this morning that I just thought, it's about the Word of God, I thought just spoke volumes to me. <laughs> it said, today, the Bible is the best-selling, most read, most translated, most beloved book in the history of the world. Why? Because it is the revelation from God, the Holy Spirit, delivered through human authors, who unleash, which unleashes God's power for life change. Which unleashes, God's word unleashes life, or power for life change. God's word is serious. It is it, so good. But what I'm going to say here is there are titles a lot of times in our translations, right? especially here in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, those titles are not original transcript, just to make sure we're all on the same page there. Uh, salt and light. Obviously, Jesus talked about salt and light. Um, then we get down to anger. And yeah, Jesus brings up anger. ESV, which is what I'm reading out of, he brings up anger. NIV calls this section murder. Yes, he brings up murder. But I'm going to say that that really, if you dig down to the heart of this passage, Jesus is talking about reconciliation. Reconciliation. And we're going to dig into how that, hap how that works out. Um, so reconciliation, the definition of reconciliation is the restoration of friendly relations. So the, res the restoring of friendly, friendly relationships with one another. So we've all been in situations where we've hurt someone, someone's hurt us, and a relationship has been broken. Right, and rest, the reconciliation is the restoration of that relationship into friendly relationships. And again, as we'll see, or not again, but as we'll see a little bit later on, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the exact same thing that it once was before. But it is restoring peace in that in that situation in that relationship. Dustin talked about a couple weeks ago. There's a difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping. Peacemaking is congratulations for bringing people to the gospel, bringing people to Jesus. Peacekeeping is more of this reconciliation type situation where we see that something has been done wrong and we, we make sure that we're in right standing with one another. And I want to let you know that Jesus takes this very, very seriously. He uses some strong words in here, some strong, strong language in this passage. So I just want to encourage us to lean into what God has for us this morning because reconciliation is so desperately important. 
So let's dive in. Um, Matthew 5, 21. Scripture's going to be up on the screen. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Yes. Like, duh. Don't, don't murder anyone. In your anger, don't kill anyone. Right? So, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. There's where NIV gets the murder from. But I say to you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. That's pretty heavy language, right? That's pretty heavy language that, that Jesus is saying that don't kill anyone, don't murder anybody. We've talked about this. Like This is, this is pretty clear. It's in the Ten Commandments. But I'm going to tell you that I don't even want you to be angry with anyone. Don't hold any anger or bitterness in your heart. And if you look at the, the original text, the words here is, all right, I'm going to try to say it. I'm not good with this at all. But it's like recha. And I don't even know if that, that is supposed to be in there. But it's R-E-C-A is the Greek. Comes back to Hebrew. R-A-C-A is the Greek. R-E-K-A is the Hebrew. And it's don't be stupid angry, essentially. Don't be foolish in your anger. Okay? So you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to hellfire. Like, that's, that's heavy. Liable to hellfire. Like, Jesus is talking about hell here. And there's a funny story. I wasn't going to share this, but I will. Like, one of my favorite memories of my grandmother, and she is this South Carolina country girl, Southern Baptist, grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, was, we were, we were driving down the street. I was sitting in the back of the Lincoln Town car, and some some dude cut her off, and she was like, you old fool, and then immediately was like, Jesus, I'm sorry, I called him a fool, like, immediately just repented, and I think this verse just immediately popped into her head now that uh, I look back on this, but anyone that says you fool will be liable to hellfire, Jesus uses some strong language, so if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Jesus takes reconciliation seriously. And he calls us to not be dumb in our anger or with our anger. Let's pray together real quick. God, we just thank you for this word. We thank you that, that you preached this word, that we are, we are not to be angry with one another. We are not to hold bitterness with one another. We are to be reconciled in our relationships. And God, I just pray this morning as we, as we continue digging into this, that you would reveal to us something special, that you would begin mending hearts and that we would see freedom, chains of bitterness and hate and anger begin breaking today. And we're going to trust you that you're going to move in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to just make a few points. Point one is we're called to reconcile our anger towards others. 
others. So that's out of verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. So I'm just going to say that I don't quite understand some of the anger that some people have. I have been wronged, but people have been wronged way more than I have. Some of you in this room have probably been wronged in a way that I could never understand. That I could never understand. My wife and I have a friend who this person, their their mother was murdered by their father. And I can't think of really almost anything sans like that situation trading in like a child. I I can't think of much of anything worse that you would have to work through to seek reconciliation towards. But despite this person's family situation and the pain that this caused, they decided one day that they could not let the anger and the hurt and the bitterness they had in their system in their heart for the situation that had happened, which by many measures we would agree is pretty justifiable frustration and anger. They weren't going to let it eat them up anymore because that's what anger and bitterness will do. That if we're angry with one another, if we're angry with someone, then it's going to eat us up and it's going to begin to eat away at our testimony and our ability to share the gospel. And that's why Jesus puts it up here for us. So what this person did is, is they set up a time to go talk to their father and just hash it out. Absolutely hash it out. This is, this is the pain that you've caused me my whole life. And they ended up hashing out to a point where they restored a friendly relationship. And you may be sitting in this room and say, oh, I could never do that. And I'm right there on the fence of saying that I probably couldn't either. But Jesus still commands us to restore right and friendly relationships with one another. Again, as I said earlier, and as we'll continue to say this whole morning, it doesn't mean that the relationship's going to look the same. Their relationship does not look the same. It does not. But what it means is there's a friendly relationship there. That the animosity and the anger and the hurt may not have gone away, but has lost its control. Right? It has lost its control in their life, and they are able to move forward with the gospel and hold on to their testimony. And that's a, that is a, that's a heavy, heavy story. And I haven't experienced anything like that. And, but we use heavy stories to realize that sometimes the stories that we hold on to, if someone can do that, we can, right? So this morning, like I said, if, if you have someone in your life that you are angry with, Jesus calls us here to seek reconciliation, to seek restoration of friendly relationship in that relationship and with that person. So that's our first point is we're reconciling our anger towards others. And the second point is we have to reconcile our anger or someone other, we have to, we're called to reconcile others' anger towards us. So we see that first part in scripture and we jump straight in. This is, this is the next passage that Jesus says, verse 23, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, 
you've wronged somebody, leave the gift there and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer your gift. So this one's a little different. Right? Jesus is talking about worshiping him. And he's saying that even if someone has something against you, that means that when you worship me, there is still bitterness somewhere. You have got to seek this reconciliation with your brother. He says, leave, it, leave your gift at the altar and go and seek reconciliation with your brother. I've, I've, I've made people angry before. I've done it. And we just have to seek that reconciliation. We have to go after that person and say, hey, listen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need your forgiveness. I'm sorry that I did this, 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 and this. I need your forgiveness to, to move on in my life. And they may not always give it to you. Uh, just be flat truth, flat honest here. They may not give it to you. But if you, if you have made it known, and you have trusted God with that conversation that you have sought reconciliation. You just leave the rest to God. But he calls us to seek out reconciliation with those, uh, with those who are angry with us. To seek that out. To, to do that before we even come to this altar to pray. We, last week we did, uh, we did communion, right? And every time before we do communion, we always say, take a moment to pray and make sure your heart is clean before God before you take communion. That any unrepentant sin is out. Anything that, that you need to see reconciliation in your life, that, that, is, that is at least in action or, or happening in your life before you take communion. Because become, before we come to Jesus, if we have bitterness in our heart. We are holding on to something in a moment where we should be letting everything go. Laying it at the feet of Jesus. Letting it go. Praising Him for who He is. And what we're doing in all actuality is we're saying, Jesus, I love You and I worship You and You're amazing and You're awesome and You're awesome in, in my finances and You're awesome in my children's life and my parenting and You're awesome. But this part right here, this is still mine. I'm still holding on to this. So we are not giving Jesus our everything. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Before you lay it at the altar, if there's still someone that's angry with you, leave it. Handle that situation and come back to me. Handle that situation. We are called to seek reconciliation in others' anger towards us. So we're called to reconcile our anger towards others. And again, I can't imagine how hard that is for some folks. But it's something that Jesus calls us to. And we're called to reconcile others' angers towards us. We have to seek out that reconciliation. Seek out that peace. And lastly, and I'm going to close with this. I know this is quick. Jesus brings ultimate reconciliation. I mentioned before that Jesus uses some pretty harsh language in this text. He mentions hell. He mentions that you know even fool, like calling someone fool and being dumb in your anger, could could stand in the gap, could be a hindrance. 
in your worship towards him? Aren't you grateful that Jesus takes reconciliation seriously? Jesus takes reconciliation seriously. So serious that he embodied himself and enfleshed himself in what we are in humanity for our sake. For what we have done and where we have messed up. Jesus has brought on the ultimate reconciliation. We have all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. But 2 Corinthians 5.17, I want to just dig through this for just a second as we close out the sermon. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Jesus brings on the ultimate reconciliation and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ God was reconciling the world, the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And aren't you grateful that Jesus takes reconciliation seriously? So, let's just lay this out. God has every right to hold anger towards us. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all made those mistakes. We, and I wouldn't even say we've made mistakes. We have purposely, we've all purposely chosen to do something dishonorable to God. But he sought reconciliation. He had every right to be angry but he sought reconciliation. He sought a right, friendly relationship with us. So much so that Jesus on the cross came to this earth and took on the cross the full weight of our sin, which was more than just the nails or the scars or the, or the blood. The full weight of our sin so that we have friendly relationships. God the Father, as it was intended. But think back, let's understand this. As I said before, a relationship will never look the same this side of heaven. On this earth, we're called to, to seek reconciliation with those who are angry at us and with those we're angry with. And again, that does not mean that our relationship is exactly the same as it was before. And right now, even our relationship with Jesus may look different than it was originally intended. In the garden, no sin, right? In the garden, no sin. 
Adam and Eve chose sin, the world changed completely. The original creation was a perfect relationship with God the Father in perfect unity, enjoying one another's fellowship. And then that changed with sin. There needed to be reconciliation. Jesus made that possible. But on this earth, like Pastor Justin was talking about a couple weeks ago, blessed are those who are pure in heart, right? Blessed, congratulations to you if you're pure in heart. If you've taken on the heart of Jesus, taken on his heart, and he talked about how right now, this side of earth, our heart's kind of in battle with our brain sometimes because our brain is still the same. So we're told to, to do what? To be transformed by the renewal of our mind. So this side of heaven, we still go through a process called sanctification. And that's just us growing from the moment that, that we have given ourselves to Jesus and we say, Jesus, you are my Savior. I need you desperately. I need your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. And at that moment, I'm going to use a couple churchy words, but at that moment, you're justified. In layman's terms, just for all of us to understand, we racked up a bill that we could not pay. Jesus paid it and signed off on that check. So when God looks at that bill, he sees Jesus' signature. He knows that this person is covered by the blood of Jesus. Jesus has reconciled that check on our behalf. Aren't you grateful that Jesus takes reconciliation seriously? But here on this earth, we go through this sanctification process, still in battle with our mind and our heart, and we're growing, and we're seeking Jesus, and we're being discipled. We're learning more about who Jesus is and how much he loves us and how we can show that and reflect that love to the world. And one day, on the other side of heaven, is when the ultimate reconciliation happens. And we are, sent, are glorified in Christ. Glorified in perfection in the presence of God. And a perfect relationship is restored. This earth is, is full of sin. And it's full of of people doing people wrong. And we've all taken part in that. I promise you we have. If you think you haven't, then you might need to do a, a little bit of a self-reflection. But we are called to seek that reconciliation, to seek it out, and ultimately to be reconciled to God. It says here, we Lord, you, that on behalf of Christ, you be reconciled to God. So this morning, I want you to consider responding in three ways. One of three ways. Our three points where we have to reconcile. We're called to reconcile with those, or yeah, with those who we are angry with. Then we're called to reconcile with those who are angry with us. And ultimately, we're called to reconcile with Jesus because of Jesus. And how you do that 
is very simple. He's paid the price for you are saved by grace. That's the price he paid. That's the grace given. That is the vehicle. And then the avenue is through faith. That's simply surrendering, recognizing your need for him. Surrendering your heart to him as Savior and repenting from your sins. So Jesus, this is it. This is what I have. I'm laying it all down before you. Help me grow out of this. Let me trust you. But then this morning, I also want to encourage you that if there's anyone in your life that you need to reconcile with, that there's anger, there's bitterness, there's a broken relationship there that you need to bring peace to, that there's animosity in your relationship life that you need to bring peace to, this morning I'm encouraging, please begin that process. I'm going to say this, and we, I don't know that we've ever said this, or I've, I've never said this from the stage. This is a cell phone-friendly response time. If you need to walk out those doors and make a phone call, if you need to sit in your seat and send a text message to begin the reconciliation process, that's a way to respond this morning. So however God is moving in your heart, whether you need to respond to someone via a phone call, a text message, whether you need to start by coming to these stairs, getting on your knees and praying about someone in your life that you need to be reconciled to, or whether you need to place your faith in Jesus and be reconciled to God the Father for the first time, the only time. Again, God tells us that if His hands got a hold of you, not even you can screw that up. Nothing can take us from His hand. So this morning, maybe you need to be reconciled to God. However you need to respond this morning, I just encourage you to respond. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.